Hi guys, thank you for joining us for our first ever podcast called Spark a Soul Podcast. We have a, a really honorable guest here. Her name is Manila Jawar. Um, she is the owner of Italy and Beyond and she's here to share with us her spark and how she managed to bring her passion as her mission by just doing what she loved. So before we dive in and um, you know turn the floor over to Madeline, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of kind of an outline of what Spark of Soul is. Um, this is a platform where we bring on guests who want to share their story about what their spark has been to become more of who they are. Uh, really, it's about this individual who strived really hard through hurdles and challenges to become the person that they want to be and who they're happy to be. So again, it's all about your journey. It's all about what matters to you and what you have become to spark. So hope you guys are ready and here we go. So I'm going to turn the floor over to Madeline and let's start off with saying, hey Madeline, nice to have you here. Hi, so nice to be here. Um... Let me clarify my business is Italy beyond the obvious. Oh, awesome. Um, <laughs> Thank you. What did I Italy say? And, Italy and beyond. <laughs> my apologies. There you go. Italy beyond. Um, okay. So let's start off with saying, who is Madeline? Let's hear more about you. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, I um, am originally Canadian. I grew up in Edmonton. Uh, in northern Canada um, to a, a kid of a university professor and a university administrator. My mother, uh, she was the director of development and she um, instilled in my brother and I just this um, love of other cultures and travel and other languages and you know, I grew up having exchange students in the home. We were always hosting somebody, whether it was for a weekend or for a year, we always had some exchange student in our home. Um, and she just, you know, put me in French immersion at the age of five, which, you know, when you're five, you don't have a really a say in that. I was just sent to French immersion. Um, and, you know, that really taught me about just the, the um, how language opens up culture and how learning another language just connects you to another culture and it made me more curious about other cultures. So when I had opportunities to go live as go, sign up for a foreign exchange myself, I it was an exciting thing. It was I was like, yeah, I know how to learn a language. I know how to I'm curious about other cultures and the way other people do things and how, you know, my way isn't necessarily the right way or the only way but you know everything from crossing the street to how we eat to how we interact with families to you know concepts where there's a word in another language for something that we don't even have in English and so it just it created that whole kind of mentality of um, you know broadening eliminating the us versus them really and just trying to have that curiosity about how other people think and solve problems and that really paved the way for um, where I am today I think with a travel business but I didn't get here on a straight and <laughs> clear path it was very windy and um, yeah not at all in hindsight it all makes sense but when I was on it, it 
there were a lot of times where I was like, where am I going? What am I doing? Why am I here? I hate this, you know? Yeah, no, thank you for that. So it makes me curious to understand when you were that child at five years old, uh, when your environment kept on constantly changing, how did that make you feel? Um, I would say, you know, growing up in Edmonton, my environment was pretty stable in the sense that I was in the same house, I was in the same school district, we didn't move. Um, in hindsight, you know, Edmonton is very, uh, it's an amazing city to grow up in. Um, but you have to take an airplane to leave like the Rocky mm. Mountains were the closest thing to us and it was kind of a four hour drive and really you there wasn't anywhere to go you know before closer than that so we would go to the Rocky Mountains for weeks go camping we'd go skiing um I had a my father was really he was one of these hardcore he would we he would go ice climb glaciers and and so I grew up we went camping and skiing um and that was just my mom put her foot down and she was like no more of this when we go skiing I need a hot tub or you know that's it you know um but I grew up thinking that camping was terrible it was full of glacier streams and where you got eaten alive by mosquitoes during the day and it was freezing at night and you know you eat this dried food and this UHT milk and I just thought camping was you know torture and but and then now I appreciate it now I live in California where camping is amazing I mean it's like comfortable and beautiful and you don't get eaten by bugs and we go to places with running water and it's it's fantastic um, so I don't need mean to diss my parents but it's just you know that I appreciated the experience um, in hindsight <laughs> you know more I guess the shape like you said that's um, who you became today through all these different adventures and experiences that you've gone through. That's amazing. So when you said that you were surrounded by different cultures that were kind of shaping you as a person, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like what type of cultures and what resonated the most? Yeah, I think, um, so we had a Swiss exchange student um, who stayed with us for a year and she was really um, you know, at that point, um, I had not been, I had not really traveled. We'd gone, you know, across Canada in the station wagon, four days to Toronto, and then the week in Toronto, and then four days back. We'd, we'd driven to Minnesota to visit my mother's, my grandparents, and again, four days in the station wagon, two weeks in Minnesota, four days back. But I hadn't been overseas, and I remember uh, having this Swiss exchange student, she was from Zurich, and she um, and I, my brother and I asked her whether whether she had they had microwaves in Swi Switzerland, um, and she just laughed at us and she was like, "Where do you think? What do you think Switzerland is?" And um, I just realized I was like, "Wow." you know later looking at the time I asked that question out of curiosity and later looking back I was like I just you know you just don't know when you haven't been anywhere um and then I had the opportunity to go to uh Tokyo when I was 15 and, and stay in another family um and I just remember you know I was the guest and so they let me use the clean bath water first so I got to have a bath in the clean bath water and then I got out of the bath and then the rest of them in the same bath water 
um, that I used. And, um, you know, so it was kind of gradual. I, I, I remember the, uh, the Colombian exchange student in particular, we had, you know, Edmonton is a big hockey. This was Edmonton in the eighties. This was Wayne Gretzky mm -hmm. and Mark Messier. And, uh, we were, you know, winning the Stanley cup. And so we were a huge hockey town and soccer was just kind of a little, almost an afterthought. And for some reason, Edmonton was hosting some kind of big soccer tournament. And I don't even know what it was, but it was a worldwide, you know, thing. And Colum the Colombian team was coming and we had this Colombian exchange student. And my mom was like, welcome everyone, come to our house. So we literally had like, I don't know, 20, more than 20. These, these exchange students just kept arriving and they kept ringing our doorbell and my and they brought sleeping bags and we had like wall to wall like sleeping bags like exchange students in sleeping bags all in our house and my mom went to Costco and bought like a giant tray of muffins and bought a giant you know just bought tons of food and just put it in the kitchen and these guys were, they went to the game and they took buses and they, I mean, they were 18, you know, they took public transportation, they got themselves to the game. And those Colombians made more noise in that soccer stadium than all of the Edmontonians who were cheering. They were like, rah, 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 go Edmonton. And the Colombians were like going totally nuts. And there were, you know, a hundred of them or something. Um, so I just remember wow. that's really you know that's that South American passion and and especially for for football for, for soccer um, but experiences like that just made me curious and I went to live in Italy then um, as an exchange student for a year and that's where um, the whole Italy path uh, started Wow okay tell me a little bit more about Italy beyond how did you come up with that and how did that become your new thing or your passion? So Italy Beyond the Obvious was actually born in 2008 after I had been um, doing is helping friends and family with their Italy vacations for 10 years. So I had I ended up spending five years in Italy. I was an exchange student and then I went to university and then I went to work as a nanny and then I came home and then I got a job in um, corporate America at a oh no then I went to be a tour guide I guided hiking and biking tours for Butterfield and Robinson for uh, about a year and a half it was three biking seasons so it was kind of the May June and then September October and then another well April May June um, and then I was totally I had my clothing was covered in bicycle grease and I had no address and I was like that, that's a fantastic job when you're 23 24 but it's exhausting so I was like I want to I'm, I'm ready to move on um and one of my clients hired me um she, you know she was like what do you want to do with your life and I said I'd like to get into international operations because I want to go back to Italy and I'm curious about business and you know my parents were in academia and I thought business was like exciting and sexy from the outside and so I just kind of throw out this I want to get into international operations without really knowing what that was like it sounded good um, and as it turned out, you know, this this client who was on my biking trip, she had introduced herself to everybody as the pastor's wife. She was like, my husband's a pastor, I'm the pastor's wife. As it turned out, she was the COO of a $13 billion company. 
and yeah. she was like come and work for me she's like I've seen how hard you work you've done you know they had actually done two trips with me they had done a Tuscany eight-day biking trip and then as it coincidentally turned out they were on my next trip which was a hiking trip down the Ligurian coast in Italy um, the Cinque Terre area is famous and so part of that trip was the Cinque Terre so they had been with me on both of those trips and she was like whenever you're ready come work for me so I took a little bit of a detour I spent eight years in corporate America um, moved to New York got trained and I really, you know, I was planning Italy trips on the side. All the, I was the go-to person. You know, I had lived in Italy. I was the and I, not only that, I had guided hiking and biking tours. So I kind of knew, you know, what the incredible, you know, these were five-star tours. I was staying in five-star hotels. We were doing all of the touristy things. We were eating at Michelin star restaurants. So I knew how to create an amazing Italy trip. And I was, yeah, I was just helping friends and family. And I said to my company, you know, I'm ready to go back to Italy. I'm, I'm, you know, whenever they're ready for me. Um, so after my training finished in New York, my company was like, they're not quite ready for you. How would you like to go to Sweden? And I was like, sure, that sounds good, you know. So I relocated to Stockholm um for a two-year assignment where i was a nordic i had a nordic role so i was constantly going between um well i was based in stockholm and i was going went to helsinki oslo and copenhagen all the time for work um and that was fantastic you know it's what is one of those phases in life where i had a professional income no kids you know no dependents um and fell into a group of amazing friends who we were all expats we were all we all had professional salaries none nobody had dependents or kids and boy did we have fun i mean we would go off to you know we'd go off and stay in the ice hotel in northern sweden for a weekend we took the ferry over to the the party ferry over to helsinki where basically most people get on the ferry and start drinking and then the ferry stays in Helsinki and you sleep during the day and then you go back and, and drink all night. But we actually, I was like, I wanna see Helsinki. So I'm like, we are not gonna, you know, get plastered and, and not see Helsinki. Um, but we just did, so we went to um, Estonia, we went to St. Petersburg. I mean, we just had the best time. Um, okay. And then my boss was like, okay, Italy's ready for you. <laughs> I was like, hmm. Um, and my Swedish boss even said, we'll hire you. Like you can leave corporate America, leave your New York job and come and work for us as a Swedish employee. And that was, that was a tough thing to turn down, but my expat package was so great. I mean, I had plane tickets home, they paid for my apartment, I had a car, I had someone doing my taxes, they paid for my cell phone bill. Like it was a nice package. So I was like, I don't think I'm gonna turn away from this and Italy was ready for me. Um, so I said goodbye to Stockholm and I, I've always said like if Stockholm weren't as cold, it would be as popular as Paris. I mean, I, have you been to Stockholm? Have you been to Sweden at all? I actually haven't. I actually lived in Europe and I was hoping to go to Sweden but never had the chance. But I heard it's really beautiful. <laughs> it seems like a dream as you describe it it seems it's, like a dream a beautiful place to live in 
it's an amazing place to live in yeah it's and again you know for i was absolutely i had the before i moved to sweden the ceo of the company came to congratulate me and he was i was very junior i was you know i was seven levels below him and he came to to congratulate me on my assignment and he said you know I lived in Denmark for for years and I never learned Danish and he said don't expect that you're going to learn Swedish um it's just you know it's just too difficult and I was like that was the perfect thing to say to me because I am going to show you you know and I just had this fire under my butt that I was going to learn Swedish and I was so determined and I would just speak Swedish to my colleagues I learned how to say you know 10 words and I was just absolutely determined to learn Swedish And again, you know, it opens up a whole new culture. I mean, the Swedes speak English really well, a lot of them, and they would just flip in and they wanted to practice their English, right? And so they would just flip into English. Um I had an advantage in that I guess I had a good ear or something, but they couldn't recognize my accent, so I didn't have a really typical American or Canadian accent, I guess, because they didn't know where I was from, so they didn't flip into English with me. um like other some of my friends who were trying to learn Swedish they just couldn't because every time they would speak yeah. the person they were speaking to would start speaking English to them whereas people were a little bit confused by me and so they would um speak Swedish back to me so that was a huge advantage um yes i mean that sounds like an adventure your life is full of an adventure you've been pretty much around the world and living in different parts that sounds like, like honestly sounds like a dream to me madeline so If I were to take a step back and ask you um you know there comes a point in anyone's life my life everyone as humans where we doubt our skills to become this you know mission driven person that wants to achieve most important things in their life have you ever hit any spots in life where you just kind of stopped and said I don't know if this is meant for me or I don't know if I can do this or you know in this journey to become your you know Italy beyond um yes dream job so Yeah, did you hit any challenges in that point where you just felt like, yo, this was really hard? Oh my gosh, so many. Which one should I pick? Um, I think the most the biggest um time of doubt was when I started Italy Beyond the Obvious. So, in 2008, I just had two kids. So, I had a kid in 2004, a kid in 2006, and I was totally immersed in child rearing and I had left my that corporate job when i had my daughter because by that time we were living in boston and i was in a global role where i was traveling all the time and my my region was like malaysia and hong kong and um reno nevada it was a weird region but it was too much travel and i was like i can't can't do this with two little kids so and i was still planning these italy trips for people on the side and i thought and i needed to do i wanted to do something um and so i thought i wonder if anyone will pay me to do this for them and i looked into becoming a travel agent and you know travel agents make money through commissions and the way that they get commissions is that they sell other people's products so you know the vendor will say i have a 10 day package to italy and it's $5000 a person and if you sell it to your client then i'll give you $500 and i was like i don't want to sell other people's products i want to create trips for people the way i'd create them for myself the way i've been creating them for friends and family and i also just left this really nice corporate job and i need to get paid for my time so i just put up a website and i just was like here's how much i charge i'm charging like a consultant 
I don't want commissions because I'm not selling other people's products. I'm I'm paying I'm I'm recommending to the customer the what I think is going to be the best fit for them. And I didn't know if it was going to work. I had no idea. I was not a travel agent. I didn't know of anybody else who was just charging consulting fees for um, advice. And I also um, I had, my fees are high. I mean, they actually because they're separated out, the client sometimes is like, what? But if you if you look at the whole package and then you look at what the, the commissions that are all built in, it's I'm actually not more expensive, but it seems like it because I pull everything out and it's all transparent. And I just, I didn't know if anybody would pay me. I, di I didn't know if this was gonna work. I had no idea how people were gonna find me. I wasn't sure also, it took me a few years to, finesse the service and to offer people what they wanted you know because at first I was like I'll do whatever you want and then people were like then that's a slippery slope then that just ends up being time consuming and somebody some one person wants this and another person wants that and if you put the burden on the customer to say I'll do whatever you want then they, it seems like you don't know what you're doing right they're like well you're the expert like you should tell me what I you know how this goes and so um I really had to get the confidence to, and, and another thing is that the confidence was a huge piece because my um, approach was like, I'm going to showcase myself as an expert. I'm going to show you that I'm such an Italy expert and I'm going to write all these blog posts and I'm going to have all this information about Italy on my website and you're going to think I'm an expert and you're going to hire me. Well, nobody hired me. They just read all my articles because I didn't, I wasn't confident enough to step out and say hire me this is what i charge this is my value this is what i can do for you this is why i'm going to make an amazing italy trip for you i didn't do that i just wrote a blog post that showcased my italy expertise and i had a little teeny tiny sentence at the bottom that said if you would like me to help you plan your italy trip contact me something like that and i really um it was scary for me to step out behind that uh, wall of words, I guess, and say, this is me, this is who I am, this is why I'm great, this is why you should pay me, this is why it's worth it. And that was not, you know, now, um, I actually coach people on setting up travel businesses. And I say to them, from day one, you you're, you gotta say, this is a business and this is what I charge and don't apologize for, you know, charging for your expertise and for your time because you're giving people a lot of value. Um, but that was definitely a big, uh, a, a, a tough, a tough um, lesson. Yeah, I can imagine being in the early stages of a mom, um, you know, starting up your own business is hard enough and then getting clients is much more uh, challenging than you can imagine. I love how you said um, to a point you were trying to sell your business, but you realize that confidence in selling yourself and your expertise is the number one when it comes to, um, you know, reaching people, potential clients. What made you realize that it was your expertise that was going to sell? People kept telling me again and again, um, you know, and it was really the first few, you know, I've been doing this for friends and family on the side. So I had a lot of feedback where I knew what people really valued and what people, mm -hmm. the people I tend to attract and the people that are a good fit customer for me are people that want to connect with the culture. So I don't do a lot, you know, I do high end, but, but luxury these days is 
really about choice and about access and less about red carpets and helicopters and yachts and you know the people I work with want to get to know the locals and maybe that me and they, and they want to connect with the culture and maybe that means that they'll pay a lot of money for something like a behind the scenes tour of the Vatican or something like a hot air balloon ride over Tuscany but they also might equally choose to spend $30 and go visit the sheep farmer who makes cheese. And so it's not necessarily about money, it's about my um, ability to understand what the customer wants and then match them with the experience that they, that is a best fit for them. And that's a different, um, you know, when I first started coaching people on how to set up travel businesses, I said, I, one, of the, one of the things people always think is surprising is that I start by saying, it's not about sharing your favorite things. You know, you might have your favorite things, but it's about understanding what your client wants. Maybe your client is traveling with an infant. Maybe your client is a university professor who has a, who has a PhD in Renaissance history, right? Like you need to pair the client with the things that they value and want. And, and the pace of the trip is also, you know, you might want to go, 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 or, or you might not, you might want to lie by the pool, but your client wants to go, go, go. Um, and so it's very important to just match that. And that's why I think that's why I, selling like those package trips just never resonated with me because I was like, this is, I need to tailor this to the client. And that's the kind of um, approach that, you know, when you asked how, how people could value my experience, that's the kind of approach that really makes the trip. Uh, it means that I can spend time on things that really allow people to connect with the culture. So for example, it could be a, t a day where you don't need to spend any money, but I tell you, wake up at your hotel, drive 20 minutes to this little town, and here's where you park. And then you need two hours in this town. And while you're in the town, go to this bakery. And when you get to this bakery, order this thing because this pastry is delicious. And then get back in the car and, and, and it's 20 minutes to the next town. And here's where you park. And then here are a few cafes that you might like to look at for lunch. You know, it's that kind of thing where it's it doesn't it's it's I'm getting paid for my time to put together the logistics and the recommendations but there isn't like anything that I'm quote unquote selling you know um yeah it's more like you're sharing your experience and creating an experience for them I love yeah. it I love how you transition from the beginning of selling to um expertise and experiences as the most important part of your business so Madeline if I was supposed to take a step back and ask you again um how fulfilled are you with now, you know, taking your passion of traveling and experiences and making that into like a, a business for you or your new identity? How fulfilling is that for you? So the thing that is most fulfilling for me right now is, is making other travel experts successful in their travel businesses. So Italy beyond the obvious is 13 years old. Um, I, to be honest, uh, in about 2018, I was totally burned out. I was completely burned out. I was a control freak. I, you know, these are very white glove trips and I, I rely on checklists and I have probably 20 to 30 checklists for an average two week trip because every hotel has a checklist, every restaurant has a checklist. You know, in terms of research, I propose it to the client, get the quote, book it, put it in the itinerary, you know, all that. Um, and I was holding on to the details and I would not release them to my 
um, assistant who I had trained to basically do her work and then check with me and then do her work and then check with me. And then, and so I was just, I was the bottleneck and I was so burned out and I would sit down at my desk in the morning in high season where I knew I had 10 hours of work ahead of me and I would look at all the checklists that I had to get through and I would immediately feel exhausted. Um, And so I got a coach, I got a mentor and a business coach and I learned to document everything I did let my assistant do her job without checking with me, release the control. And so right now, Italy Beyond the Obvious is actually a team run company. So I don't do, I set up, we have a five-step process. And so I get to do the fun part, which is talking to the client and doing the creative um, itinerary creation. And then I hand it over to my team and they take care of the dominoes that fall. And what happened is that um, that allowed me to get to what I my true passion is today, which is um, helping other travel experts create their own online travel business. And I was getting, again, I was getting requests from people for a decade before I did anything about it. I would get people contacting me and saying, you have my dream job. How could teach me how to do what you do? And I believe a rising tide lifts all boats. I'm not about secrets. I'm like, I would love for you to be successful. Here's what you do. And I wrote so many emails over the years um, that I didn't even realize, but I had compiled this body of instructions. Um, And so once my Italy business was more was more off my plate, I thought I'm going to make this video course for people. Um, and then I have it in one course where people write me and they say, how do you how, teach me how to do what you do? I'm like, right, I've got an eight step process. Here are the videos. Um, so I created those and put everybody into a Facebook group. I was like, as you guys are working through the videos, let me support you. Let me see what you need. Um, and then when the pandemic hit and my Italy trips got canceled, I went into that Facebook group and I said, I'm free. <laughs> I have no Italy trips. Uh, what can I, how can I help you? And they said, we want a certification program. We want a stamp of approval from you um, for our hard work. And it's been so satisfying to see. Uh, and it's, it's selfish on my part too, because I now have certified travel experts that I can send my Italy clients to when they say, who else does what you do? which I get all the time, all the time. Who else does what you do for other countries? And so now I have this group of certified travel experts where I'm like, well, I've got New Zealand and I've got France and I've got all these certified travel experts that I know, you know, I certified them. The bar is high. Um, And it's been, and you know, people said to me, oh, you're creating competition because I have, I have people who do Italy, you know, and I just, I think that there's so much potential. I think there's enough work for everyone. You know, the customer that resonates with, you know, my travel expert who, um, the the customers resonate with, they'll resonate with me for one reason and with someone else for another reason. And I just, I'm just happy for their success. Beautiful. I can see even everything that you're saying. It's such a genuine journey. Um, It's not just about you and what you learn. You want to make sure that someone else can live their dream job just like you have. So a curious one in this whole 
from your childhood to where you are right now where you've been exposed to different cultures uh being in different teams a lot of things that has happened where would you say was your biggest spark that light that lit up in your head and said this is what's meant for me or this is what i'm going to do i think um the biggest spark is when i have a Italy client who I you know I work with my Italy clients for like a year right because they are or maybe nine months or and the biggest sort of most satisfying spark is when they come back I had one actually one client in 20, 2019 I guess um come back and just say you know it's when they feel it when they say wow she said i want to move to italy and she just said i had no idea you know it's when when i can help someone else make that connection to the culture where they just appreciate the landscape and the food and the people and the art and whatever it is when i help them make a connection to another culture that they didn't have before they found me that to me is the biggest um that fuels the spark and um you know even my travel students when they find me and i they're like you can teach me how to not be a travel agent and use my deep expertise and make money like that to me also is i'm like i'm in the right place like i'm doing what i'm meant to do beautiful yeah definitely i i would love to get feedback like that from clients who just say you're my girl you know what you're talking about you know you were able to convince someone to move to italy that sounds like an amazing spark absolutely so the last question for you madeline is you know it's a really important one for our viewers as well so for someone who's passionate about something in their life let it be sport let it be travel let it be anything that they love um how well, what advice or what tip would you tell them to move their passion into a mission to do what they love as a part of their life and not just kind of like go at a point of their life thinking they can't believe in themselves or not like what would that tip that you would give them so i got a great piece of advice really early on and i'm a very practical person i'm not someone who's going to quit my corporate job and move overseas at the drop of a hat like i think about things i consider things i weigh pros and cons i take one step forward and then i look around and then i take another step forward and then i look around you know i i i would never say you know just ditch everything and make the leap um but what i would say is the, again this piece of advice i got is you know things were when i was building my italy business and there's a lot um when you build an online business it's not like when you open a brick and mortar store where you can put up balloons and put up a sign that says grand opening and you open your doors like when you when you launch an online business nobody notices right like you can publish your website and like nobody notices which takes the pressure off so that's a positive but it's also hard um as a solopreneur to keep that momentum and keep that energy and keep putting one foot in front of the other and solve the problem of how am i going to get online payments and solve the problem of how where am i going to put my checklist and solve the problem of what's my customer agreement and i and when you're working on that it can be very um hard to keep the motivation up and it it's i struggled with why am i doing this is this going to work this is so much work who's ever going to hire me am i going in the right direction um and i my i my mother has had has a friend who's a judge and he said to me he said 
you know, when you get frustrated and you get tired, he said, you can slow down. And he said, go as slow as you need to go. But he said, don't stop. And I always kept that in mind. And so when I was frustrated and I was tired and I was busy with my kids and I was exhausted, I just didn't stop. I was like, what is the one thing I can do that to just put, to just make one step forward, just go one step forward, just so I don't stop. And that was huge. That was really, really, really valuable advice. I love it. Take it slow and steady and don't stop. That's a beautiful way to sum it up, Madeline. Really appreciate that. Well, thank you for being a part of the episode today. Um, I loved how you, you shared all your experiences from childhood to around the world to where you are right now and your spark. So just honor, really, 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 really grateful for all that, Madeline. So um, we hope to have you again for another episode and talk a little bit more about where your life is going or heading. I, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm honored to be your first... <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you.